One Week Season. Welcome to the Assessing Your Process podcast. We're here at OWS. I am your host, B Fritz12. And today we are talking about week 14. It's uh it's really kind of crazy to think that we are rolling into the, the end of the year here. But yeah, we're here. I mean, it's halfway through December. And Things are are starting to calm down, I would say, in terms of our competition and how seriously people are taking DFS. Uh, But also we have just things continuing to be weird in the NFL. We've got all sorts of COVID stuff this week. Uh, So there's just lots of things to be paying attention to uh, if, if we are staying aware and focused do believe that we really have a an edge on the field at this point so with that let's roll into looking at this past week so on this pod always loving talking about really knowing who we are as a player uh assessing our process based on that, how we can change over time, if we need to change over time. If you guys have been hanging with me throughout this year, it's been a weird year, so we've talked all about that, about losing, what to do when you're losing, uh, because I've I've been losing. <laughs> so I've talked, you know, I've shared all these things for myself, um, but it's been really beneficial for you guys based on feedback to hear how I am going about doing this for myself. And one of the things that I've been doing recently started, you know, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess, uh, when I wanted to take a a little bit of a breather in terms of taking this, my DFS play so seriously because just was kind of getting wrecked in terms of outcome. Um, But that is... Just trying to approach things a little bit differently, making sure I'm having fun with my process and the way that I'm approaching my play, the week, every slate. And so what that's looked like for me is just continuing to to try things, basically. And I'm I'm starting with this because while I have uh, lineups that I'm going to run through. I'm going to do so rather briefly. Similarly to last week, we're going to talk a little bit more high level strategy and things that I'm trying and what's working, what's not working, rather than kind of going really, really in depth on reviewing a given lineup. Like I said, I'll still run through my actually two single entry lineups and I'll talk about why too. But I've been just playing around with how I'm approaching slates and this is something that 
is really important and, and slates, but also just my DFS play in general. Because, as I said, like knowing who you are as a player is really important, but then also being able to evolve that, change that over time based on you as as a person, as a player, um, but also as DFS changes, also as the NFL changes or maybe doesn't change, but is uh, just in kind of the midst of what seems to be a highly variable period just allowing yourself space to kind of reinvent yourself in the way that you're looking at things or seeing things and not necessarily doing this from an ungrounded place, uh, you know, just kind of like wiping the slate clean necessarily, but just giving yourself space to have fun with it. And so that's been what I've been doing. And I have been having fun with that. I'm leading in with that because it's important, but also because it is directly affecting my play in that I don't have, as I've started to really play with this over the past month, think, I don't have things very nailed down. My, my process was very, very um, strict before in terms of I knew exactly what I was doing every day. I knew exactly what how much time I was spending on it. I knew, you know, where I would be Saturday afternoon. But for me, that has changed a little bit now, and that has led me to some really positive things in terms of play styles that are working for me or fitting who I am as a player and or who I want to become as a player, but then also causing some issues in terms of not being really well prepared for a slate or like last week dealing with and responding to last minute news or late news and how I was able to work with that. So I wanted to give this high level context for I do think that it's important to not especially for those of you, because, you know, those of you that are listening to this are are probably pretty serious in DFS and have been playing DFS for at least some amount of time. Newbies, you you know, you may be here, you may be new, but uh, for the most part, new players probably don't understand how important these conversations are. How important being able to reflect on your play and being able to assess your process, how important that is to your results over time. So with that, yeah, just kind of throwing out there that I do think it's important to revisit this for yourself as a player, uh, but also that this has both it has effects on both sides of the spectrum <laughs> um, from from beneficial and learning new things to being a little bit more all over the place, a little bit more messy, a little bit more just not buttoned up. So what has that getting a little bit more granular, a little bit more into the specifics? What has that looked like for me? And what does that look like, you know, specifically looking at week 14? I have I've been trying to spread my play across slates more as a single entry player. As a lot of you know, 
M. Johnson had talked about this earlier this year as well. It offered a, a way to handle this, but it can be really hard. And I've talked about this on the pod. That was a lot of what the first half of the season was. It can be really hard when you are, you know, that's what your play is and that's what you, where most of your bankroll is going. But you're you're either making mistakes or you're have there are high levels of variance from week to week and therefore you're just not seeing results come through it can really be really tough if uh well if for for anybody all the time constantly losing is is difficult uh, for a lot of people that are you know have been in this space or play poker um you learn that that's just something you roll with but it's still a real thing it's still a, a very human experience the psychology of it so i've really been playing around with spreading myself across more slates which i am finding is not only beneficial in terms of excuse me uh you know giving yourself more shots you know you're you're increasing your sample size but it's also been more fun honestly it's it's allowed me to get away from a little bit of this kind of like main slate is everything idea or or just kind of general feeling or, or vacuum that there is in the DFS industry because, yeah, that's what's fun, right? That's where most of the content is centered. Uh, that's where the biggest tournaments are with the biggest payouts. You have the most options in terms of contest selection. And so that's kind of just naturally where our focus goes. But realizing that we do have all these other ways to play has been really fun for me. So I've kind of just been letting myself go with that. So my bankroll has been much more spread across these slates as opposed to being you know heavily centered on the main slate it also just feels like it takes a little bit of pressure off of what that build is then and so it's you know i'm still spending time on that but because i am not doing our like hours on hours of honing that lineup necessarily uh i'm not overthinking a lot of things which i know we many of us in this space struggle with uh and so that was something that i've noticed within this as well so specifically for main slate specifically for how i was approaching this slate my strategy was actually very similar to jm's this past week which was essentially it was, you know, it was clear what the top games were, how they would, you know, what was most likely to happen. But as JM had talked about at length last week, there I still felt like those spots had a higher likelihood of disappointing relative to price and expectation and all those things than the field may have anticipated. So I was looking to play just a few game environments, things that I thought had a a better than expected chance to um, to to produce. And so I was trying to get exposure to those spots across a handful of lineups. So I played, like I said, I played 
a handful of lineups. I've played a handful of slates. Like I played the main slate. I played early. I played late. Um, and the games I was looking at, just for reference, were uh, the ones I had noted down were Vegas at KC, Baltimore at Cleveland, Cincinnati at San Francisco, Buffalo at Tampa Bay, uh, the Giants at the Chargers, and then the Saints at the Jets. To narrow that down a little bit from the KC game, which I didn't end up going there, actually. Uh, but I was initially looking at Hill and Kelsey there, and then uh, Jacobs and Renfro coming back there. I actually really liked and got on board with what JM was talking about with the Baltimore-Cleveland game last week. And so that ended up being kind of the main way that I was stacking uh, some of these tourneys was uh, just going in on that game because you could get Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, and Mark Andrews. And then bring it back with uh, Hooper, who didn't have any competition at the position last week, or uh, Don Peoples-Jones, who was cheap enough, like both those guys are cheap enough, if that game was indeed going off. One of the notes I had made over the past few weeks uh, was that, and I think this was help from Lex and his notes when we were doing one of the, the first Peak podcasts, was that Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews actually have had pretty insane volume over the past handful of weeks, which for them, uh, you know, they've been efficient in the past, but they haven't had the volume to back that up. And it's been kind of the opposite recently where they've had a ton of volume, but they haven't necessarily had the outcomes to back that up. So I really liked the stack of Lamar, Hollywood and Andrews to kind of go all in on that game, hoping on the the uh, the the one end of the barbell distribution of outcomes being the higher one after a really low scoring contest the week before. Uh, Cincinnati at San Francisco, obviously Jeff Wilson was one of the talking points, and we got news about Debo coming back. I actually still liked Wilson in that environment because figured that Debo lifts you know, raises the ceiling of the San Francisco offense as a whole. And so I actually figured, you know, if you're rostering Wilson, like, you know, yes, it's because of price, but it's also because you're hoping he gets in for a touchdown. Debo was, in my mind, increasing that. Definitely didn't get there. Um, but that was the way I was thinking about that spot. I liked Joe Mixon coming off of being sick. Hasn't done anything the past couple of weeks, but he's still being used as a workhorse back. Uh, and then, oh, I like Jamar Chase from that game as well as attorney play, somebody who's been kind of quiet recently, but dropped a big touchdown the week before. Then Buffalo at Tampa Bay. This was the obvious one of these games. We talked about this last week on the, the first peak podcast as well. This was a spot where I I didn't necessarily love the Tampa Bay side just because I figured there was a solid chance of those guys disappointing relative to price. We've talked about that on a couple different uh, first peaks this year that those guys just rarely have had to have a games. 
On the other side of the ball, I did really like Josh Allen for just his overall probably having to throw and run a lot in this spot. And sure enough, he did just that, uh, which I didn't actually didn't end up pulling the trigger on him anywhere. But he he did indeed do that by uh, getting the the rushing bonus there. And then, yeah, I I didn't really. Well, I'll talk about this with my single entry lineup because I had uh, I played both Beasley and Knox together as a block on one of my my two single entries. And then, yeah, Giants at Chargers. I was a little less bullish on the Chargers than the field was. I know Hilo talked a little bit about this too. The Giants defense is actually decent as a whole. Their run defense isn't great, but they've kind of come together a little bit. And not that I thought that Eckler was in a bad spot by any means, but I just didn't necessarily think he was in the smash spot. Um, But obviously, the Chargers still set up well here. So I liked Eckler and Mike Williams there. I also liked Josh Palmer, just because most people were focused on Guyton in that spot and figured that uh, he had almost as good of a, a chance to hit just because he's the the team and the staff have shown that they've liked him in the past and then finally the same uh i did not like the jets i had in my notes here i have you know the new orleans at new york jets noted but i have new york jets crossed out because i didn't care about anybody from their side and that for me was pretty straightforward and i liked both Taysom and camara and playing them as a block and the Saints defense, which was pricey, but definitely viable. So, like I said, I kind of mixed and matched those things across rosters. My biggest focus being the Baltimore-Cleveland game, game stacking that I liked uh, kind of like a skinny stack correlation from the Cincinnati-San Francisco game, not because I necessarily thought that that was going to be really high scoring, but because those teams just have pretty narrow distributions of offense. And then I was essentially, I wasn't, I was not stacking the Buffalo Tampa Bay game heavily, kind of betting on that going under or at least under expectation. And yeah, so that was kind of what I did on just all of my uh, other lineups that I threw in outside of my two main lineups. So I'll go over those right now. I ran two because I I wanted to bet on both the what did seem to be pretty certain in the 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 Bucks Bills game and then something that was less certain and offered me a little bit more leverage. So lineup number one was Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Jeff Wilson, Terry McLaurin, Hollywood Brown, Amari Cooper, Austin Hooper, Antonio Gibson, and Chiefs defense. Now on the other roster, I played I so the players that stayed the same on that roster, I should say, were Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, 
Jeff Wilson, Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson. The players that changed were, instead of Hollywood Brown, Amari Cooper, Austin Hooper, and Chiefs, I ended up going Mike Williams, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, and Panthers D. So, how was I approaching these rosters? How did I come to this? Well, for single entry, small field stuff, I really loved and had a hard time getting away from the combo of Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. They're just the, the certainty that offered was great in my mind. I just really didn't see any way that that was going to fail between the two of them. Uh, I, I, I like literally didn't see a way that that was going to fail. So because of Taysom's price, Kamara is just not a guy that I play a ton. I'm kind of like I've always been in JM's camp about Kamara and, and how he is as a player and, and uh, DFS output. But in this spot, because of how it worked out, you know, not having competition for touches, they've showed that they're actually willing to give him a handful, you know, a large share of the workload on the ground. And then because of Taysom Hill's price, you know, playing those two guys together was something you could easily do. Now, if Taysom was priced up a little bit, that decision would not have been nearly as straightforward for me. I would have thought about it, but it would have taken a bit more consideration. So that was I was pretty much just locking that in there. Jeff Wilson similarly locked him in for the same reasons uh, as I was playing Sonny Michelle last week. I had talked about this a little bit on the podcast. Not the same player, not the same team. Don't want to get that confused, but similar situation in terms of a guy who is cheap relative to role in theory. Uh, <laughs> now, it's it happened that Debo did actually kind of cut into Wilson's work, even though, you know, they've shown a willingness to give the starting running back uh, a lion's share of the touches. Debo did see a lot of runs and that was something that I wasn't really quite ready to chalk up to actually how they want to be using him. Uh, I figured that maybe that was just kind of how these games have went. But it seems to be pretty clear that if Elijah Mitchell is not in there, they want to be and even when he is at points, um, but they want to be getting Debo the ball. And Debo is I don't I forgot the numbers are, but like he has not seen many targets at all over the past handful of weeks. Uh, they essentially realize that they have a really great weapon in George Kittle and that they could potentially use him to to do some damage, uh, which I was just kind of, you know, I, I say that with sarcasm because it was kind of ridiculous to me when I thought about it last after this past week. It was like, oh, they they realize that they can actually use this guy. McLaurin was the other one I used. So, man, that hurt. Uh <laughs> with him getting a zero definitely was not expecting that from him he has been boomer bust this year so single digits was definitely within the realm of possibility for him i definitely just felt like this game was going to be competitive which it wasn't really competitive uh the the scoreboard you know doesn't really show how much the cowboys kind of 
but with McLaurin and Gibson, then who is in my flex, those were the two guys who, like from that team, again, uh, a narrow distribution. I figured that that would be a a game that was back and forth because we've seen the Washington football team ride Gibson heavily when they're winning. I figured that it was kind of a nice block of of guys because if they didn't do that and he wasn't used a ton in the passing game, then I figured they would definitely be leaning on McLaurin, who has crushed this year when he's seen double digit targets. So that one just kind of ran a little bit bad with. And yeah, I mean, quite frankly, with how the, the Cowboys were coming in uh just <laughs> coming in hot and uh very haughty with you know uh, th- their owner talking shit and all that i was kind of surprised that the washington football team didn't put up a, a better fight early on so then the the one lineup i had hollywood brown amari cooper austin hooper so I liked, you know, I kind of talked about that. I liked Hollywood Brown and Hooper as a skinny stack. Uh, Hooper, I, you know, was was nervous to pull the trigger on, but I actually really liked him just based on how I, if this game was going to play out this way, I figured he would have to be the guy um, receiving some amount of targets and probably get some red zone work. And that pretty much um, rolled out just like that. And then Amari Cooper obviously was the the play coming back on the other side of Gibson and McLaurin. Liked Cooper at his price. He's a guy that can go off for a big ceiling. Um, I I feel like I've been duped by him now a couple times this year in that he he really hasn't been that consistent. Um, but so that was what I was kind of building in there. And then on the other roster was the roster that was a bit more certain. So I had Mike Williams, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. That I think that kind of speaks for itself there in terms of Mike Williams in that spot versus the Giants. Uh, I, I wasn't as sold on his role as others were simply because I, you know, I didn't necessarily think that the Giants were going to stay competitive. Therefore, I didn't think that Mike Williams was going to need to see 10 to 12 targets, Um, but obviously still felt pretty solid about him. Uh, A guy that, you know, without Keenan Allen in there, probably the first look outside of the tight ends or, or I guess maybe even Austin Eckler in the red zone. So obviously just felt good having him on a roster and then especially at his price and then Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox were my two favorite pass catchers on the Buffalo side of the ball. So between their price and their likely red zone role, you know, if the touchdowns aren't going to be going to Stefan Diggs, uh, we talked about a little bit on the first peak pod. Manny Sanders has been kind of a nobody for the, the last handful of weeks of the season. So I liked those two guys there. Uh, those lineups scored a 127 and a 113. So, you know, anywhere from like 50 to 70% or so ish based on the, the tourney. Uh, so definitely not enough to get there. 
All right, I'm gonna take a little breather here just to let you guys know that I'm going to be wrapping this up pretty soon. I don't have a ton more for you guys. So uh, if anybody has questions, comments on what I did, how I played, or wanted to share a little bit about your process or your own thoughts, feel free for those of you that are here with me live to jump on up here. Uh, you can also, because we are in the OWS Discord, feel free to shoot any questions or if you don't want to come up here live, you can shoot anything over in the reflection thread in Discord. So yeah, it, it was, I felt pretty good about the, as I mentioned, as things are, I'm playing around with uh, my play in terms of instead of just being a strict single entry player, starting to to play a few more lineups, uh, you know, and we're to, I mean, smaller dollar lineups. I'm not going all you know, I'm not totally shifting to being a, a guy with, that puts in a whole bunch of other entries, but just kind of playing with some things, feeling a little bit better about the how I can hedge from my main lineups and not in a way that spreads me out too thin, but in a way that actually feels good and kind of supports the way that I am building um, has been meaningful, messy, but meaningful. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to come on up? Just go ahead and hit the little hand raise guy. Otherwise, I'll kind of wrap us up here. Um, one of the things I had noted after the Thursday night game last week, so we had the Steelers at the Vikings. We so first and foremost, like, and I talked about this kind of threw this out there last minute on last week's pod too, but like play Thursdays through Monday slates. The the tricky part about this is that if you aren't doing as much research on the Sunday night and Monday night games, which tends to be the kind of like for for me the weakest part of this process, um but there's just so much dead money in there. You know, if you <laughs> just do it for entertainment purposes, just go through and like look at the lineups. Uh it's it's pretty ridiculous because people will literally just stack up the Thursday night game and you know, hope to see that green on Thursday night after the game and not really worry about what happens down the road. Uh, but really, I mean, you can think of that as overlay like this. Is, there's there's free money in these Thursday to Monday slates because of that. So pay attention to that. Start playing that, even if it's just to get a feel for it, throw in just like some lower dollar stuff or whatever, not a just like a small percentage of your bankroll just to get a feel for that and kind of like see how those slates play. Uh, they also have a nice fair catch. Um, for those of you that do like single entry, uh, they have a, I'm pretty sure it's a, a weekly one. It is a $12 fair catch and it's 980 people. So it's, it's one of those, it's kind of a nice in between. It's not super small, um, but it's also not, obviously not over a thousand people. So you still get a decent payout if you were to hit there. So, yeah, I highly recommend checking that out. But the other strategy piece I wanted to mention with this is that the 
you know, common practice for a sharp DFS player is to fade the Thursday slate and in or the sorry, the, the Thursday night game. If you're playing that Thursday to Monday slate, just put in a dummy lineup and play guys from Sunday. In general, that is a good rule. The The reason that rule is in place is, you know, mostly because those Thursday night games suck. <laughs> uh, you know, these teams are on a short week. It's a year aren't as good which is true um but one of the things that i noted coming off of this week and i shared in uh, one of the channels was that it's still important i more just wanted to make a point on this a, a little bit for if you're playing the thursday to monday slate but also just as a general understanding in dfs we should never just accept the rule and close our eyes and you know turn a blind eye to it and move on so for me for this past week i i mean i just thought this slate was just pretty much garbage like i did not like how a lot of these games set up and i actually liked the steelers vikings game and thought that had the chance had a chance to be one of the better bots on the slate as a whole you know throughout the weekend and it was and so i really liked Najee harris as a tourney play a guy that's just you know has had opportunity just hasn't been producing i do believe that in the right situation or matchup he can produce and so i liked him as a tournament play and then uh who is the other guy um on oh yeah uh osborne for the vikings because of Thielen being out and the role that osborne had had after Thielen went out the week before and just how they you know they've shown early in the season that they like him uh liked him at a 4100 price that's one of those spots where I feel like I'm always trying to really make sure I pick well is, you know, that cheap receiver. Uh, so I really liked how he slotted in there. And so then those two guys also provided a nice correlation, uh, Najee and uh, Osborne. And so I did end up playing them too. Obviously, things have to go well to actually get those things right. Not having either of those guys didn't kill you. So uh, it's not necessarily that it was super sharp or some like smash play or anything like that. But I just wanted to point out that everything should all every rule in DFS, any consider consideration we're taking in should still we should still be thinking about it critically. We should still be considering so if you do get to a Thursday night game and you're wanting to play that slate and you're thinking, oh, I, I kind of like this guy this week. I think he could be an interesting play. Because you are a sharp player, because you know how to build good rosters, if you are here listening to this, if you are with us at OWS, you can kind of let the field trip themselves up and make these really bad rosters, as I was saying before. Um, so just something to keep in mind. I'm not saying <laughs> like start to load up on that Thursday night game or make sure you're playing guys from that Thursday night game. Definitely not. Uh, but just more of a general uh, word of caution of just because something is a quote unquote rule doesn't necessarily mean it should be used 
100% of the time. And I believe that is it for me. That was what I wanted to hit on today. I figured we'd probably run just a little bit shorter, which we did, but not even quite as short as I thought. Uh, yeah, if anybody's got any last minute questions, I'll hang out for another few seconds. Otherwise, we'll go ahead and wrap this baby up. Make sure we don't have anything in the reflection thread. Nope. All right. Cool, guys. Well, thanks for hanging out with me. I'm going to go on and get out of here. If you're here, especially in week 14, as we go into the end of the season, regardless of your results, I would wager <laughs> that you are doing the right things. You are really trying to build your process to continue to hone that and your play. So keep doing it, keep showing up, and I hope to see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend.